The results are in in Iowa. Defying every poll and prediction except the ones you heard on this show, Ted Cruz scored a victory over Donald Trump, and Marco Rubio came in a surprisingly strong third, while Bernie Sanders chased Hillary Clinton to a virtual tie. For more on what this means, we take you to our Daily Wire correspondence in the state capitol. My, oh my, what a wonderful day. When the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. Yay! Mr. Bluebird's on my shoulder. It's the truth. It's actual. Everything is satisfactual. Happy days are here again. The skies above are clear again. Let us sing a song of cheer again. Come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Thank you to Mathis Clover for putting that together for me. A great job. That was great. Oh, man, it's a good day. It was a good day. And listening to the show, it's like watching the future. It's like watching the future. You're like looking into the future only on this show. Did anybody ever suggest the, the outcome that you were going to get? Yesterday, I told you what my hopes were. My hopes were all there. And let me let me tell you. Uh, here's, here's what I was doing last night after the announcement. Do you have that, the picture? Wanted to celebrate. To celebrate. I went out and had a Cuban cigar. So I just I put that up. I put that out on Twitter, and I got like, "Isn't that illegal?" <laughs> but it's not because I didn't buy the Cuban cigar. You're allowed to come, go to Cuba, and bring Cuban. And it was given to me by a friend. And uh, the I was also asked what I'm drinking. I am drinking Macallan 12, which is my scotch. I I used to be a scotch connoisseur until I realized I only like Macallan 12. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about this, all right? Why why is it a good day? Why it's it really is a good day. And for one reason it's a good day because it's a good day and if you pile together enough good days, yet you die and then you've had a good life, which is better than a bad life because it's good, right? <laughs> that actually that sounds like a joke, but it actually if you don't know that, you don't know anything. But let, let's just start for one thing. Let, let us just take a look at what was at stake in this caucus, this first caucus. And I know it's not a final result, and I know all kinds of things can still happen. But, but since my hopes were right, my hopes guided us in the right direction, let's follow the thought, okay? Let's take a look at Donald Trump as he made a speech on the last day, on yesterday, the last day before the voting started. This is the day... We take our country back. Remember that. This is the day we take our country back. So I got a little notice in case you see the security guys. We have wonderful security guys. They said, Mr. Trump, there may be somebody with tomatoes in the audience. So if you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of them, would you? Seriously. 
okay? Just knock the hell. I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees. I promise. I promise. See, that's actually not funny. That is actually not funny. If you think that that's funny, that's an, that's a, his supporters are a very angry group of people. And that's, that is essentially inciting a mob to beat the crap. And he says, seriously, seriously, and I will pay the legal fees. That's not kidding around. And I know, listen, I, I get what people like about Trump. I get when Black Lives Matter shows up and he says, get the hell out. You know, you're thinking, finally, somebody said, get the hell out to these people because they're wrong and they do terrible things to our country. And so finally somebody, you know, he led in polls in Iowa with people who thought he tells it like it is. But, you know, Roads lead to places. Roads lead to places. When you go down the road of you're a loser and you stink and you're stupid and you're ugly and Carly Fiorina is ugly and, you know, uh, Megyn Kelly is third rate, when you go down that road, that's what's at the end of it. And if you think you're going to like a country, if you think you're going to like a country where your leader tells angry mobs to beat people up, if you think you're going to love that, just remember that one day they turn to you and you said something wrong and you're the traitor and you're the, you know, the bad guy and the guy who sold everybody out. And it's, it's on you. I mean, Robespierre had a lot of fun sending people to the guillotine until it was his turn. You know, then it's not so much fun. That's the actual face of fascism. And Trump is not a fascist because he doesn't have that. He's not smart enough to put together a fascist philosophy. But he, that's a fascist personality when somebody says, you know, go out and beat this guy up if he's a heckler. And says that to a mob and says it in a way that you had to take him seriously. He did, to give credit where credit is due, he came in second, and he gave a very gracious speech afterwards. I've been crying for like 20 minutes now. It's so sad. Okay, that was that actually wasn't fair. He actually did, did give an uncharacteristically. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. People yell at me for laughing at my own jokes, but somebody's got to. That's a, uh, you know, um, he did give an uncharacteristically gracious speech, and I have to admit, I was sorry he did, because I was hoping that in the moment of loss, he would say the one thing, because everything Trump says just sends him higher in the polls, but I was hoping he would say the one thing that would I think would hurt him in the polls, which is the voters were stupid. And once you understand that that's who he is, that he's all about himself, and if you don't vote for him, then you're the, you're the stupid guy, you're the guy who's getting beaten up in the mob. You know, once you understand that about him, I think people would turn away from it. But he was smarter than that, he's a good campaigner, and he was very gracious in, in defeat. So it's important that he lost. It's important that he lost, and we, that even though it's just Iowa, you know, people say, well, it's Iowa, Last time, Rick Santorum won in Iowa, and Mitt Romney ultimately got the nomination. But in fact, Rick Santorum won by about three votes last time, and Mitt Romney came in close. And it, do, it does mean something. It just shows that he's defeatable. All the polls were wrong. All the polls were wrong. And I'll, tell you, I'll go in and tell you why a lot of this stuff is important. But, well, the polls, you know, the polls did matter. The polls did matter because they showed that people showed... I, I told you on this show that the polls in Iowa were skewed because they didn't show all the people who hadn't made up their minds. And what the, the exit polls finally showed was that the people who made their minds up late went for Rubio mostly. And 
that maybe because Trump didn't show up at that last debate, Fox was touting that idea because they they want you know the people to show up for the debate. But it may just be the, those were the more, more thoughtful people. Those were the people who thought it through. Those were people who waited to the last minute and said, "All right, let me see what the where these guys stand," and realize that Trump is really an unacceptable people, you know, an unacceptable person to lead this country. The other thing that's really important is that the turnout was high. Even I thought if the turnout was high, it was going to go for Trump. That that's what that was the tell, right? We were all thinking, well, these guys have never been to a caucus before because they've never been out of their caves before, <laughs> you know. And they're angry people, and they're people who have been disaffected by the political system. And some of them, listen, some of that anger, I get it. You know, believe me, I understand where that anger is coming from, and I think some of that anger is righteous anger. I just don't think it's righteousness, and I think it's, it's leading people down the wrong road. But the late people showed up for Trump and showed up for Rubio, and that's really important. I mean, that shows that they were thinking that um, the polls are not, you know, in the Victorian era, people called doctors who were more likely to kill you than if you just tried to get better yourself. People want to think that they know stuff when they don't. They hate to be helpless. And so you call a doctor even though the doctor's going to kill you. And so we read these polls even when we know they don't mean anything. The polls in New Hampshire where Trump is winning by over 20 points, they start to matter today. The polls will now start to shift because people are waiting till the vote comes their way. They're waiting to see what happens in Iowa. The New Hampshire people like the wrong foot Iowa and get it different than Iowa did. The, the polls in New Hampshire don't mean a thing. They will now start to mean something as we get closer and closer to it. So Trump is way ahead. doesn't mean it's going to, it's going to turn out to be his, his uh, primary. Now, Cruz is a great guy, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Cruz supporter. I've said before, I've written commercials for the guy. You know, I really like him. I, he kind of shares my point of view. And... If you listen to the news, a lot of the people are, a lot of the media are discounting the Cruz victory and saying it's really Rubio's victory. And they're saying that because they hate Cruz. And I don't really understand why they hate Cruz. I ask a lot of them. I ask people in the media and people who are conservative friends of mine who just, they hate Cruz. And I always say, just show me one thing that he's done, you know, that, that was bad. Because, you know, Cruz's record is really pretty good. I mean, he's been straightforward and he's said what he's going to do and he's done it. He's actually been... In the, I think he headed the FTC, was a consensus builder there. I don't get it. I trust them. I, I trust that they have some reason for hating him, some visceral sense. But I really like the guy. And, you know, I thought, but I do think the media are right about Rubio, that this was Rubio's victory. If you watch, watch his speech, he comes in third. Now watch the speech. He gives a victory speech for coming in third. For months, for months they told us we had no chance. For months, they told us because we offered too much optimism in a time of anger, we had no chance. For months, they told us because we didn't have the right endorsements or the right political connections, we had no chance. They told me that we have no chance because my hair wasn't gray enough and my boots were too high. They told me I needed to wait my turn, that I needed to wait in line. But tonight, tonight here in Iowa, the people of this great state have sent a very clear message. After seven years of Barack Obama, we are not waiting any longer to take our country back. 
I came in third. <laughs> you know? and that's a, that's a victory speech. It's a great. It was a great speech. It was the best speech of the night. Uh, you know, he real and, and I think he's right. I think it was a victory for Rubio. I think the distance that he covered from where people thought he was to where he got he. He wasn't in a tie with Trump, but he was very close to unseating Trump for second place. It showed that he had the momentum. It showed that when people started to listen, they listened to him. It showed that the people who were more moderate were going to him. They were, he didn't split the vote with Bush, who really, in, out of integrity, should really stop at this point because he's only taking away from a guy who could win. You know, it was a victory for Rubio, and I'm going to talk about why that's a good thing, why a Cruz supporter says that's a good thing. Last, last night... I've said from the start that I think Rubio is going to be the nominee. I said Rubio Fiorina, right? I think I still think it could be Rubio Fiorina. Fiorina a little less likely now, but still, I still think it's going to be Rubio in the end. Last night, a crew supporter, a fellow crew supporter, yelled at me and he sent me an IM. Why are you giving up? We just won. You know, why are you giving up on Cruz? I'm not giving up on Cruz. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen. The reason the reason you listen to the show and find the future is because I don't tell you what I want to happen. I don't tell you what I'm afraid will happen. I tell you what I think is going to happen, okay? Cruz gave a speech, interesting speech. Let's play a little cut of this. This is a little bit spliced together, but pretty much what he said. Let me first of all say, to God be the glory. Tonight is a victory for every American who understands that after we survive eight long years of the Obama presidency, that no one personality can right the wrongs done by Washington. The millions who understand that it is a commitment to the Constitution, to our shared insistence that we rise and return to a higher standard, the very standard that gave birth the greatest nation that the world has ever known. Now, that speech went on for about 35 minutes. I mean, I, you know, Fox actually cut away from it after a while. It's a bit of a, a blowhard. You know, you want, you want Iowa, you get like eh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I mean, everybody's watching you. Stop talking. Stop talking. It's, you know, he was re virtually reading the Constitution. I, you know, it's like, I, I, but it, it, was, it was a good speech for what he said, but it was just a little bit long. And he's really got really to rein himself in because he does that in debates, too. He goes on talking... Like he likes the sound of his own voice, maybe <laughs> a little, little too much. All right. Here are the reasons why. I, I think it's Rubio's momentum. I think that a lot of the money that was going to Bush, a lot of the, that establishment money, which is a lot of money, that's a lot of money, I think it's going to start flowing to Rubio. I think he's a viable candidate. The establishment can live with him. And for those of you who hate the establishment, and I have big problems with the establishment, let me tell you why a Rubio victory in the end would not be a bad thing. All right. He has a greater chance of winning the general election. That's just true. I share most of Ted Cruz's opinions. I, li I liked hearing him give a shout out to God. Some people find that smarmy. I think it's not smarmy if you actually are sincere. And I, I really, you know, after listening to the Democrats boo God thrice at their last convention, it's, I like to hear people, you know, giving the old, the old fella a cheer. You know, he did, after all, create us and sustain us. You know, it's like, let's give him a little round of applause from time to time. That's not, not so hard. About 25 to 30 percent of the people in this country agree with me and Ted Cruz, okay? That's not enough. It's just not enough. And the rest of the people, there's a lot of people who just hate Ted Cruz, and the country belongs to these people, too. You know, I'm not here by myself. It's, it is, it's a republic. People get to vote. You know, we have to be honest about where we are. And I think Rubio can win the general election much more likely. 
the reason, the other, another reason why this is a good thing is Rubio is an establishment candidate who's to the right of the establishment. See, a lot of people are in politics, especially in the commentariat of politics, and the guys who leave comments on blogs, they're idealists. An idealist in po- an idealist in politics is like a guy who goes into a whorehouse looking for the love of his life. Okay, you're not gonna, you know, it's a good thing to have ideals but they're not going to be lived out in politics. They're not going to be lived out by the politician. Every politician will betray you. Every politician will betray you, no matter how close he is, no matter how close his opinions line up with yours. Ultimately, he will do things that you don't like, maybe not even because he's dishonest, but only but because he only finds so much as possible. You know, it's when you are in that, you know, it, it really bugs me, for instance, I've talked about this before, when people attack Paul Ryan. He's not a conservative. He betrayed us. <clears throat> Paul Ryan has stood on the third rail of politics, the entitlement programs, and suggested ways to reform the entitlement programs. No one has had the courage to do that. No conservative has had the courage to do that. Ultimately, the reforms that Paul Ryan has proposed are going to become law because they have to become law in order to save the country. If Hillary Clinton is in office when that happens, she's going to get the credit for those reforms. And conservatives 10 years from now are going to be saying, yeah, but it was it was our guy. It was Paul Ryan who forced them on it. Yes, it is. But he'll, we'll only get the credit for it if we've got a Republican in the Oval Office make putting those reforms into action so don't turn on guys like paul ryan because they don't think they can get as much accomplished as you think they should get they may be right they may be right ryan is playing with reality you know you're just sitting at home i'm just sitting here behind the microphone i'm not trying to herd cats to get the votes that you need to defy barack obama to have a veto to you know make sure that my guys don't get kicked out of office for shutting down the government I'm not saying he doesn't make mistakes. I'm not saying he hasn't done things that are weak. I'm just saying that he is a conservative, and so is Rubio. Rubio made a major, major mistake with the Gang of Eight bill. He has come before us and said, I made a major, major mistake. This is what I will do now. I understand why you didn't like that bill. This is what I will do now. What else can he say? What else can he say? You know? I mean, Trump tells you he's going to do all kinds of terrible things. Trump would do exactly what Rubio will do. Except, except I think Rubio is more likely to actually do it. I think Rubio is actually more likely to pay attention to his words. So, you know, I think if you have a guy in the establishment who will move the establishment to the right, that's a major victory for us. That is a major victory for us because the establishment has a lot of power. So if you have a guy like Rubio, in the same way that Barack Obama has moved the Democrat establishment to the left, a guy like Rubio will move the establishment to the right, and that is a major, major victory for us, you know, over time, over time. And finally, this outcome was enormous because of what happened to Hillary Clinton. I mean, Hillary and Bernie are in a virtual tie. Some of these decisions were apparently made with the flip of a coin, and, and Hillary won every one. You know, it's when, when you use those two-headed coins, you know, things work out, work out great. But take a, look, take a look at what she said. This is one of the rare, honest moments Hillary Clinton has ever had. This is her victory speech. So as I stand here tonight, breathing a big sigh of relief, thank you, Iowa. I want you to know, I will keep doing what I have done my entire life. 
by which, of course, she means lying and taking money for favors and selling the government to special interests. No, she wasn't that honest. <laughs> but, but, but when she said, when she said, I'm breathing a major sigh of relief, you know, she's spinning this as a victory. But look in her eyes. Go on YouTube and watch the speech and look in her eyes. She looks hunted. She seriously looks like, you know, they used to call cowards, they'd call them footsteps because they heard footsteps coming up behind them. She looks like footsteps. You know, she is hearing. She tied with a 74-year-old socialist who can't comb his hair, you know, and she she is like supposedly the untouchable master politician. I don't think Bernie Sanders has staying power, but if he gives her enough trouble in New Hampshire, the, their establishment, the Democrat establishment, is going to start to think like, you know, it wouldn't be such a bad thing if the FBI indicted this woman and we had to replace her with a candidate who could beat a 74-year-old socialist, you know. This is a major good day. I mean, I think it's a good day because Cruz won and he's a good man. I think it's a good day because Rubio made a strong showing and has a lot of momentum, and he's a good man. And I think it's a good day because Hillary Clinton got tied up with a 74-year-old socialist, and she is just as bad as Trump. I mean, to me, there's no difference between the two of them. One of them has a, a little bit better dress sense, maybe. I'm not sure which one, but one of them has a little dresses a little better than the other. But they're both terribly dishonest people who want the power of government without really knowing what how how a leader in America is supposed to behave. So... Good stuff. Now, I have to address this other thing that's happening online. I'm getting uh, slammed. You know, I, uh, you guys listen to me. You know I never hold my tongue. I say exactly what I think. I've been saying exactly what I think for years and years and years. Every now and again, some lefty calls me an idiot or bad guy or whatever. I get cursed out by leftists occasionally, but not that much. Surprisingly little. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why that is, you know. I'm, I'm a little offended, you know. But ever since I took out off after Trump, and remember, this is a guy who called for a mob to beat somebody up, okay? And that's why, that's exactly why I've taken off after him. I'm getting hit by these guys. You know, people are like dumping my Twitter feed and they're coming on. And I kept getting hit by this thing was, which was called hashtag alt-right, A-L-T-right. I guess alternative right. So I finally asked, who are these guys? Because <laughs> I couldn't figure out what hashtag alt-right. They're white supremacists. So and they call they call you a cuckservative. I had to ask my friend, the comedian Steve Crowder, what this meant, uh, what a cuckservative was, and he told me that it has to do with something about guys who like to see their wives watch their wives sleep with black guys, right? So they're being cuckolded by black men, and the idea is that if you're not a white supremacist, you have caved in to the forces of racial, you know surrender, whatever, something like this. Now, I just want to show you what happens to me when I get attacked by white supremacists. This is what happens to me when I get attacked by white supremacists. Nope, nope, that's not it. <laughs> that's all right. I'm sorry, let me show you what happens to me. Yeah. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. That's right. I turn into an elderly black person and go singing through a cartoon universe. <laughs> All right. And the reason that happens to me, the reason that happens to me is because, you know, reality is hard, but reality is the only path to happiness. Re you know, you cannot 
be happy living a lie. Lies are easy. Lies are easy, but they make you unhappy. Reality is hard, but it will ultimately make you happy. If you were a white supremacist, you were living in a dream world. There's nothing supreme about you. You know, the part in the Bible that says man is created in God's image, that's not actually the faith part. There are parts of the Bible that require faith, but the part that says man is created in God's image, that's just reportage. That's just telling you what is obvious if you just open your eyes, you know. If you're a white guy, you don't owe anybody any apologies. You don't owe anybody any money. You know, you're, you're, it's perfectly fine. If you want to be proud of other white people who have done good things because they have the same, vaguely the same color skin as you, knock yourself out, knock yourself out. But in the end, you're just a white schmuck standing next to a black schmuck, and you're both children of God, and you're, there's nothing supreme about you. There really is not. I mean, I'm, that's just reality, and you're going to be unhappy. You know, you make yourself unhappy. And standing there yelling at me, you know, knock yourself out because it just it gives me it gives me joy. It really does. But knock yourself out because you're just living an absolute lie, and it's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, you you want to be supreme. You want to be proud of yourself. Go do something. Go accomplish something. All right. That's so. That's that's my message to alt right. Uh, I I love you guys. <laughs> Keep it up because all that happens is I turn into an elderly black man in a cartoon world, which by the way is good for me. I mean that works for me. <laughs> I'm happy to go singing, singing along in a cartoon. All right. So what do I want to do here? I, let, let me just uh, say quickly, I, I want to just talk about a couple of movies. I'll, I'll go into Valentine's stuff I like in a minute. I also saw this picture, The Finest Hours, which is about this amazing Pendleton rescue that happened, I think, in 1952. And I was reflecting on it. I really should talk about this another day because one of the things I want to talk about after this whole Trump thing is I want to talk about manhood. I want to talk about this idea that Trump is somehow a man, that this is an alpha male, you know, this guy who calls for people to beat up people and, like, insults women and all this. I want to go back and talk about that. And when I was watching The Finest Hours... It's kind of, it's, a, it's an amazing movie because of the special effects and this rescue, Chris Pine and all this stuff. But it's ruined by feminism, as so many movies are, because it has this romance in it with where this he meets the woman who's going to be, the Coast Guard guy who meets the woman who's going to be his wife, and they can't tell her story. They don't know how to tell the story about a woman who's going to be a, a hero's wife and how she has to learn to wait for him and how she has to learn to support him and how she has to learn to live with fear and all that stuff. And they, they've lost the sense of what women and men are and what women and men can be. And I think a lot of it, us have lost the sense because if we hadn't lost the sense, a guy like Trump wouldn't be standing there getting cheers for calling up people to beat them up. If I seem like I'm leaning on that fact that he called on a mob to beat people up, it's because that's just not okay. Okay, folks, you know, this is just over the line. All right, Valentine's stuff I like. I've been t- I was talking about how hard it is to find good love stories, and especially love stories that a man can watch with his wife, you know, or his girlfriend that you can actually sit and watch because modern love stories are so bad. They're so bad, and they're all about the guy apologizing for whatever stupid thing he did, and, you know, he has to come back. He has to run through the airport and catch the girl so he can say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know. It's just, and, and they all also have this kind of sense of women as being these scolds who sort of sit there and, you know, shake their finger at you, and you, you have to come to your senses and come back to them. It's a horrible basis for a relationship, and you have to find stories that are really about what happens with people who fall in love and, and the moral considerations and all this. Here is a movie that in 2013 was voted the most romantic film ever made. The most romantic film ever made. Casablanca came in second. Okay, <laughs> so Casablanca, yeah, it comes in second. This was like a panel of Hollywood people, basically, showbiz people, voted it the most romantic film. It's called Brief Encounter. And I know, I'll bet you've never seen it, right? You've never heard of it. Okay, 1945. 
It was directed by David Lean, who was the great director who did Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. He's really one of the great greatest of all directors. It was written by Noel Coward, who is virtually forgotten now, but one of the greatest of uh, songwriters. And, uh, you know, he made a couple of films with David Lean, um, one called In Which We Serve, which was about the British Navy, which is a great war film and all this stuff. He was just an extraordinarily, uh, an extraordinary talent. And this is Trevor Howard and Celia Johnson as two extremely ordinary people. He's a doctor, so I guess he's a little bit elevated. She's a, she's a wife. They're both married. They're both married happily married, and they meet by accident on a train platform. She gets something in her eye, I think, and he's a doctor, so he takes it out. And it, here's a scene of them sitting in a, a diner having a little, while they're waiting for a train, because they keep meeting in train stations, when suddenly they realize that something is going on between them. There's your train. Yes. You mustn't miss it. No. What's the matter? Nothing, nothing at all, really. It's been so very nice. I've enjoyed my afternoon enormously. I'm so glad. So have I. I apologize for boring you with long medical words. I feel dull and stupid not to be able to understand more. Shall I see you again? It's the other platform, isn't it? You have to run. Don't bother about me. It might not do for a few minutes. Shall I see you again? Yes, of course. Perhaps you'll come out to catch with one Sunday. It's rather fun, I know, but we should be delighted. Please. Please. What is it? Next Thursday. The same time. No, I couldn't possibly. Please. I ask you most humbly. You miss your train. All right. Run. Goodbye. I'll be there. Thank you, my dear. It's just that it's that British and that tight and that ordinary. Everything is ordinary, and yet it just elevates to this incredible, uh, heartbreaking, romantic level. It's really a good film. Brief Encounter, 1945. Let's play the happy montage again. Let's go out with a happy montage. It's from Iowa. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. the courage of men fails when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship but it is not this day Yay! mr bluebirds on my shoulder it's the truth it's actual everything is satisfactory happy days are here again the skies above are clear again let us sing a song of cheer again happy days are here again Yay! forget your troubles come on get happy you better chase all your cares away shout hallelujah come on get happy get ready for the judgment day I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin Show. I'm just getting word that maybe Rubio came in second. Uh, I haven't had a chance to check that out, but if it is, that is a happy, happy day. I'll see you tomorrow.